people of the presence. I don't think that when I handed John that the tape on Wednesday night, I don't think we had any idea what God and asked him to give it to Whitney and I don't think we had any idea what God well I have ideas of what God wants to do in our midst. I know what he's promised. Just don't let me forget to do the offering, the tithes and offering and the announcements. Very brief meeting with ushers and greeters following the service today. Meeting with Children's Church. Teachers and helpers following service next week, correct? Hallelujah. God, I yield myself to you, spirit, soul, and body. I thank you for the power and the presence and the anointing of the Holy Spirit in our midst. Jesus, you are a healer. You're our teacher. You are everything to us. There aren't even enough words in the English language to say how precious and important you are in my life, God. I yield myself to you, spirit, soul, and body, and I thank you, Lord, that by your Holy Spirit you will teach through me. I'm just a vessel. You're the teacher. I pray that this word that we have opened and prepared our hearts to receive all that you have for us this morning. God, you say to lift our hands to you. Our holy hands to you. And as we do, God, I just pray that you minister us today in such a way you already have but I'm asking God through the power and the anointing of your word you're such a faithful wonderful gracious God and Savior Thank you for the anointing that's here. Continue to pour out your spirit on us this morning. And every time we meet together, that we reverence. We reverence you. 
We reverence this sanctuary. This is a place where we come to put our full attention on you. is here now where you're pouring your spirit out on those that are prepared and ready those that come in and lay everything aside We're asking you to show us things that are interfering in our life, that are interfering with our constant worship and being in your presence. We need to slow down. For you said, they that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength and they will mount up with wings as eagles. It's time to allow you to completely restore and renew areas in our lives. And we praise you, Father, for that privilege today. In Jesus' name, amen. couldn't have orchestrated this service, trust me. Okay, thank you. Uh, Exodus 33, 15 and 16. Way back to the beginning. Moses, the life of Moses, really. He wasn't someone in the natural that you would think that God would choose. He was a murderer. He did not have eloquent speech. But his parents knew that he was a proper child. So they were killing all the babies and his mother put him in a, a basket and set him on the Nile and had his sister watch as he went down. She put her trust in him 
Farrell's daughter picked him up, took her into her home. And his mother was able to care for him and nurse him. But for someone that we would think that God would choose, in the natural eye, you wouldn't think that. But God knew exactly what he wanted him to do. And so in Exodus 33, 15, and 16, And the Lord says, said to Moses, I will do this thing also that you have asked, for you have found favor, loving kindness, and mercy in my sight. I know your person, I know you personally and by name, and no, Moses said, I'm reading now the Amplified, I beseech you, show me your glory. Show me your glory. And God said, I will make all my goodness pass before you. And I will proclaim my name, the Lord, before you. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show mercy and loving kindness on whom I will show mercy and kindness. But he said, you cannot see my face, for no man shall see me and live. And the Lord said, behold, there is a place beside me, and you shall stand upon the rock. And while my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take away my hand and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. I went a little further than I planned, planned on. And Moses said unto him, the Lord, Let's look in um, 15 and 16 again. I think I read further down, I'm sorry. Let's go to 13. And now, therefore, I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way, that I may know thee, that I might find grace in thy sight, and consider that this nation is thy people. And he said, My presence shall go with thee, and I will give you rest. And he said unto him, If thy presence go not with me, Carry us not up hence, for wherein I shall be known, it shall be known here that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight. Is it not in thou? Is it not in that thou goest with us? So shall we be separated, I and the people, from the people that are upon the face of the earth. My presence shall go with thee. 
and I will give thee rest. When his presence is with you, you have rest. Amen. Here's Moses. Show me your glory. He said, if thy presence go not with me, carry us not hence. For wherein shall it be known here that I stand, that I and my, thy people have found grace in thy sight? It is not in that thou goest with us. Is it not that thou goest with us? So shall we be separated, and I and thy people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. Moses, hang on a minute. Is there a, I'm going to ask each one of us, is there a special people or person or someone that you can't live without? You know, a lot of people, they're mates. What about God and his presence? One of the, greatest promises recorded in the Bible is the promise of God's continued presence. Our focus, name of God today is Jehovah Shammah. God is there. Thank God. You know, we know Jehovah Jireh, our provider. Jehovah Shalom, our peace. You know, pastor's gone through all the names, but Jehovah Shammah, God is there. What comforting knowledge it is. That's, you know, I was going to bring a, I wasn't going to read you all the things pastor wrote in it, but a card today, a greeting card that he gave me on Valentine's Day, and it had the card itself, you know, I know that he spends a lot of time picking out cards. That's not my favorite thing to do. I'd rather just write what I feel. But he spends a lot of time picking out a card. And I was going to share the words. And then, of course, I wasn't going to share the words he wrote. But God is there to give us his words constantly and to show us his glory. We cannot live without Him. We can't. God is there. What comforting knowledge is that to have that God Himself is ever present with us. It doesn't matter what the situation, God is there. It doesn't matter what enemies are rising up against us, God is there. It doesn't matter who hates us, God is still there. Moses was a man of the presence. Moses and his people knew about the presence of God and the difference he made in their lives. If there be one thing that would be said about me when I go on to be with Jesus is that she walked in the presence of God. She, she desired God's presence. 
Moses and these people knew about the presence of God and the difference he made in their lives. The Lord God had spoken to Moses as he stood before the burning bush. He heard God's voice and experienced his glory on the mountain. Two, while receiving... Sorry. The law. Moses often conferred with the Lord of Israel in the tabernacle. In verse 11 of this chapter... Let's go up a little. Let's go to verse 4. I'm going to just start with the beginning of the chapter. The Lord said to Moses, Depart, go up from here, and you and the people whom you have brought from the land of Egypt to the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, To your descendants I will give it, and I will send an angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanite, Amorite, Hittite, Perizzite, Hivite, and Jebusite, go up to the land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go up among you, for you are a stiff-necked people, lest I destroy you on the way. That's heavy, isn't it? When the people heard these evil tidings, they mourned, that, and no man put on his ornaments. For the Lord had said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, you are a stiff-necked people. If I should come among you for one moment, I would consume and destroy you. Now, therefore, penitently, I leave off, penitently, I leave off your ornaments that I know what to do with you. And the Israelites left off their ornaments from Mount Horeb onward. Now Moses used to take his own tent and pitch it out used to take his own tent and pitch it outside the tent of meeting of God and his with his own people and everyone who sought the Lord went out of the temporary tent of meeting which was outside the camp when Moses went out of the tent of meeting all the people rose and stood every man at his tent door and looked after Moses until he was gone into the tent. When Moses entered the tent, the pillar of the cloud would descend and stand at the door of the tent, and the Lord would talk with Moses. And all the people saw the pillar of the cloud stand at the tent door, and all the people rose up and worshipped, every man at his tent door. And the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Moses returned to the camp, but his minister Joshua, son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the temporary prayer tent. He wanted to be there even though he was not invited into the tent. He wanted to be around that presence of the Lord. He desired to be in the presence of God, where God had been, where God's presence had been. Moses said to the Lord, See, you, you say to me, bring up 
this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you said, I know you by name and have found favor in my sight. Therefore I pray you, if I have found favor in your, shot, in your sight, show me your way that I may know you progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with you, perceiving and recognizing and understanding more strongly and clearly, and that I may find favor in your sight, O Lord. Consider this, nation is your people. This should be our prayer church daily. You know, to be in a worship service, you know if you're in a worship service and your attention is on the Lord, nothing can move you out of that, that place. Nothing. I don't care what takes place around you, nothing can move you out of the place and the presence of God. He was, he was so desirous for God's presence. And when we are desirous for his presence, he will reveal his presence to us. You know, God told us to name this church Shekinah Glory. So his manifested presence would be amongst us. And that's why he said to pastor years ago, set the sanctuary apart. That my glory, my presence can be manifested there. That's, that is a, the biggest part of this vision is to be in his presence. Some people have never experienced his presence like he desires them to experience. Why? Because they are in such a rush. God desires to pour out his presence in this house. But you can miss it if you're not 100% there. The Bible says, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. Moses said, I don't want to go unless you go with us. Unless your presence is with us, God. Because he knew what it was like to be in the presence of God and what it was like not to be. His, his presence, you already have Jesus in you. His presence is the most important thing in your life, especially in this hour. Because people are operating outside of God's presence. In this hour, they are hearing another voice. If, if people are not in the word, if they're not in prayer, 
And if they're not in the presence of Jesus, they will hear all kinds of things that are not of God. And it's not, it's not worth it. It will take you out. Trust me, the enemy does not like those that desire the presence of God. He's afraid of, he's afraid of you. He's afraid of you. No matter what he tries to throw your way, you will withstand it. You might feel the, um, some of the repercussions of it, but you will withstand it. It's amazing to me, today is the, I believe, what is it, the 15th year of 9-11. It's hard to believe that that was 15 years ago. And oh, how this country has forgotten it. It's, it's amazing to me. But there were many word churches in those towers. And not one person from any of those churches was, was touched. For some reason, they were all late to work that day. Not one person. If I cry, just, just let me cry because God's presence, Pastor knows this is all important to me. It has been from the very beginning. It's all important to me. Thank you, Jesus. Verse 16, for wherein shall it be known here that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight? Is it not that thou hast, that thou goest with us? So shall we be separated, I and thy people, from all the people that are upon the face of this earth. That's God's desire for us. He does not want us to be a part of the people of the world. How many realize this? You know, Unfortunately, our government has allowed by the thousands people into our country that are here to destroy it. And it's going to take a people of God to know who God is and to rise up with his presence upon us, with the word in us, with the shield, with prayer and the spirit to rise up and say enough. And church, it is time to rise up and say enough. Moses was a man of the presence. Moses and his people knew about the presence and the difference he made in their lives. God, the Lord God, had spoken to Moses as he stood before the burning bush. Remember, he stared at that bush. I mean, here is a bush. I kind of, I always think of kind of like one of those big tumbleweeds that you see in Texas. I mean, they have tumbleweeds that are bigger than that, <laughs> that come blowing across the road. It's amazing. And 
I can just imagine him staring at this. All of a sudden, God appears in fire. And I could imagine him just staring at this. He heard God's voice and experienced his glory on the mountain top while receiving the law. He, he often, I mean, how many times he, on the burning bush, receiving the law, Moses often conferred with the Lord God of Israel in the tabernacle. Moses actually glowed, radiated with the glory of God as he had been a long time in God's presence. Israel was blessed with the presence of God, the cloudy, the cloudy pillar by day and the pillar of fire by night evidenced the presence of God in the midst of his nation, his people. Can you imagine people watching this? Here we have a a cloudy pillar by day to keep them from sunburning and getting hot and a pillar of fire by night. In this chapter, Moses and Israel were facing the prospect of for forfeiting God's presence. Hallelujah. The people had sinned against God and God suggested that Moses and Israel go up into Canaan without his presence. Notice verses 1 and 3 of the text. And the Lord said unto Moses, Depart and go up hence, thou and the people, which thou hast brought up out of the land of Egypt, unto the land which I swear unto Abraham and Isaac and J Jacob, saying, Upon thy seed will I give it. Verse 2, And I will send an angel before thee, and I will drive out the Canaanite, the Amorite, and the Hittite, and the Perizzite, the Hivite, the Jebusite. Verse 3, Under the land flowing with milk and honey, for I will not go up in the midst of thee, for thou art a stiff-necked people, lest I consume thee in the way. God offers to send Moses and the children of Israel to Canaan with his blessing, but not with his presence. God help us as believers in this nation to desire your presence. We've had his blessings for over eight years, but we have not had his presence. I'm talking about this country. And the only reason the blessing is here is because of the believers that are here. Upon the hearing of this news, Israel was greatly moved. Verse 4 reads, And when the people heard these evil tidings, they mourned. And no man did, no, and no man put on him his ornaments, that is, their jewels and jewelry. Can you imagine the men with the jewels and jewelry all over them? So many times we fail to fully appreciate something until it is threatened. 
Obviously, Israel did not want to forfeit God's presence. I ask us all today, do we want to forfeit God's presence? Moses proceeded to do something about it. The tabernacle was the place where God often met and conferred with Moses. The tabernacle was God's place, the place of his presence. Moses erects the tabernacle outside the camp, away from the distractions. Now listen very closely to this. When you desire to be in God's presence, you have to be away from the distractions. And there, there are many of them there. Hand me my purse a minute, dear. If you're all going to sleep, turn off every heater in this place and I'll turn on the fan and it'll get us nice and cold in here. Don't miss this sermon today. It could mean life and death to you and your family. Life or death, take your pick. This is a distraction. This does not belong in church. Sorry, mine was on. I don't care if you get mad at me or not. You know, it doesn't matter. I just have to do what God tells me to do. And as long as I do what he tells me to do, then I'm fine with him. I can't be bought. There's not enough money. There is not enough money. They were greatly moved. And when the people heard these evil tidings, they mourned, and, and verse 4 reads, they mourned and no man put upon his, his, gar, his ornaments. In other words, they got rid of that stuff. They said, get it out of our way. Moses proceeds to do something about it. The tabernacle, we know, is a place where God often met, conferred with Moses. This is where God wants to meet with you. Right here in this house, God wants to meet with you. When you come in on Sunday mornings and Wednesday night, God wants to meet with you. It's up to you whether you want to meet with him. Trust me, if the wrong person gets in this year, all hell is going to break loose and you will see the Christians on their face before God. I'm telling you, I hope you're praying. Moses erects this tabernacle outside the camp, away from the distractions and the scene of the, of the recent depravity. Moses entered the temple, and as he did, the cloud of God's presence descended upon the place. 
Moses was about to intercede with God for the people and verse 7 informs us that everyone who sought the Lord followed Moses and gathered around the tabernacle. They pitched their tents and they stood at, in the door of their tents waiting in, in anticipation. Verse 10 reads, And all the people saw the cloudy pillar stand at the tabernacle door, and all the people rose up and worshipped every man in his tent door. The people did more than get themselves presentable and, and go to God's place, the place of the presence. They each stood at the door of their tents and worshipped while Moses interceded for them. And Moses begins, he says right up front in verse 15, If you are not going into Canaan with me, we are not going either. If you're not going, we're not going. <coughs> Excuse me. Verse 15 reads, And he said unto him, If thy presence go not with me, Carry us not up hence. Moses then reasons with God that both he and his people were people of the presence. God gives two reasons for not forfeiting the presence of God. First, it was God's presence that distinguished them as his people. It was the presence of God that distinguished them as his people. How many Christians do you know that the presence of God is upon them and they are distinguished as God's people? Is your life, ask yourself, is my life so that God's presence is on me and people know that I am of God? Verse 16 says, for wherein, for wherein shall it be known here that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight? Is it not that thou goest with us? Thy presence of the Lord in the cloudy pillar by day and the, and the pillar of fire by night was testimony that they were his very own people, his very own possession, no other nation had, had a cloud in their midst. No other nation had a night light like these people. You know, some people have a little dinky night light. This was no little dinky night light. When they traveled, God was right there, leading, guiding, and providing. Leading, you might want to write these three things down. God was with them, leading, guiding, and providing. The children of Israel were in a covenant relationship with God based on God's grace. With His presence, they were somebody. You are somebody. I am somebody because of God. Minus his presence, they were nobody. 
With his presence, they could do nothing minus his presence. With his presence, they could do anything minus his presence. They could do nothing. So think of it. With his presence, you can do anything. Minus his presence, you can do nothing. I have seen people that have not been living right with God try to cast out a demon, and I've seen what happens. And it's not pretty. They have to call upon someone that has the presence of God upon them to do the ministering. And trust me, you don't even have to open your mouth. That person with the demon knows, that demon knows you're there. And they'll start crying out. You might just have to say, come out, bind you and whatever, and, how, and it'll start saying, how did you know? I've seen it happen. Second, it was God's presence that distinguished them from other people. Verse 16b continues, So shall we be separated. Separated. I and thy people from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. It was the presence of the Lord God that made them different from all the other nations. That is what has made this nation different from every other nation is the presence of God. And I hate to say this, but the politicians and people that do not love God are trying to take everything out of our country away from us. And as they do, God's presence becomes weaker and weaker and weaker. In other words, not his presence. His presence is powerful. But because they're taking everything away, where God is, And what God stands for, he just stands back and waits and watches for a people to rise up and take their authority and desire his presence more than anything else. And that's what Lord God Almighty is waiting for in this hour. The audacity to have a football player that won't even stand up for the national anthem is over is over the top for me. He should be removed. I'm going to tell you, and people might get upset with me, it's time that the Christians say, I am not going to partake of this if God is not present and if people are not going to stand up for God. The Dallas Cowboys because of what happened to their police, wanted to put something on their helmets to honor their police, and they're not allowed to. That is wrong, and the people of America have got to change these things now. Oh, well, we're just going to allow this to take place. It can't happen anymore, church. It can't happen anymore. We have to take a stand. Where do we get our feeding? 
where do we, where, I mean, you should be getting in the presence of God in your home, but if you're not, this is the place where you come to get in his presence, and that means nothing else should be coming in here with you that's going to interfere with you and with God. So shall we be separated, I in thy presence, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. It was the presence of the Lord God that made them different from all other nations. God's presence made them a peculiar people, separated from all other nations. The, re the religions of the other lands of Canaan were I'm going to spell it because I can't. Panathetic and polythetic. Israel was monothetic. Got it? You all, I could look it up in the dictionary. If you don't understand it, I'll spell it for you. Look it up. I don't have time to. They knew that they served the one true God. They knew. They knew that they served the one true God. Those that are believers and are serving God, know that they are serving the one true God. Those that are backslidden, they know they're not serving God. If you're backslidden, you're doing stuff you shouldn't be. And so there's guilt and shame and everything else that comes in. That's not God's desire for us. To be in his presence, we've got to be holy as he is holy. That's what he's required of us. He says, be not lukewarm. I will spit you out of my mouth. Be hot or cold, but don't be lukewarm. Be hot and on fire for me, and you're okay. Be cold, forget it. If you're lukewarm, you're being spewed out of my mouth, he said. Do you think he means it? I don't know what's going on, but... I don't, I mean, I've talked to pastors recently that, that are going through hideous things. And I just shake my head. I thank God for every one of you. They knew and served the one true God. You know, you know if you're serving God. You know if you're giving him your 100%. The Canaanite gods were dead. They were made of wood, stone, or metals. Israel knew and served a living God. I mean, it's really sad that we have allowed so many people into our nation that want to kill us, get rid of the Christians, get rid of the Jews, and get rid of the homosexuals. And we've allowed, I mean, I'm not for homosexuality, don't get me wrong, but... We have allowed these people into our country, and we need to get them out. ASAP. There is no other country that you can go in that country, and you better, you better learn their language. You've got to learn their language. They're not, ex we're not, they're not expected to learn your language. I'm going to be blunt here today. 
The people of Israel spoke a language of their own. The people of the world spoke their own. You understand what I'm saying? The Canaanite gods were dead, made of wood, stone, or metals. Israel knew and served a living God, a God who was a spirit. The gods of the heathen enslaved the people in sin. The love and the law of the Lord God elevated and liberated the people from their sin. Thank God. He has liberated, elevated us from our sin. He has set us free. Jesus Christ has set us free. It is interesting to note, wait a minute, I lost my place. Um, in 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10, if you want to turn there, Peter reminds us, but ye are a chosen generation. Turn there, please. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should fo show forth the praises of him. He has set us free. We're chosen. We're royal. Thank God. A peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You've been called out of darkness into his marvelous light. Which in times past were not a people but are now the people of God, which, has not, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. We who are saved by the grace of God had best remember that we are nothing without him. Without God, you are nothing. Go try to do something without God and see how well it goes. It'll go okay for a while. Trust me, the enemy's really good to allow it to go okay for a while. But then all of a sudden, all hell breaks loose. But now I've obtained mercy, who, we who serve we who are saved by the grace of God and best remember that we best remember that we are nothing without him. We can do nothing without him and we desperately need his presence in our life. God alone is worthy of our worship, our praise. God alone. It is interesting to note that the word worship appears in verse 10 of this chapter. It says, And all the people saw the cloud, cloudy pillar, stand at the tabernacle, and the people rose up and worshipped. Every man in his tent door, on the verge of losing the presence of the Lord, they were so concerned about losing the presence of the Lord. I hate to say this, but where are the Christians, the believers today, that are so concerned about losing the presence of God?
Israel worshipped. Why worship? Worship is about God's presence. It is if, as if they worshipped for fear of losing God's presence. Perhaps they thought that their worship would entreat the Lord and change his mind. Guess what? It did. It changed his mind. Worship, true worship, will always cause God to move. God spoke to Moses and said, My presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. My presence will go with me, and I will give you rest. And Moses stood at the door of the tabernacle. Thank you, Jesus. Entering, entreating God to go with them, be with them. God could not help but sense the worship going on around the outside of the tabernacle. When we worship God as we did today, trust me, God looked down at this church and said, this church desires my presence. And he will not let us down. God was bombarded with praise and petitions of the people, and it was persuasive. We need to come into this house, this house of God, this house that has been set apart for God, and worship and praise him. You need to start in your car. Start at home or wherever. Start at work. Start in your car. If you're coming in from work, go sit in your car for a few minutes. Get the junk off of you from the day, from the world, from the cares of others, and worship God. Go into your car in your lunch hour and sit in the presence of God and worship Him. I'm going to tell you, if you will do that, every circumstance and situation that you are dealing with at work will change over a period of time. You will see God moving in your midst. Brother Hagen prophesied that in the last days that people would, that God under the presence of God, as Moses did, will, will have that shine about them. I believe it. Thank you, Father. God, think of this, God was bombarded with praise and petitions of the people. It was persuasive. What is worship to you? I'm asking every one of us. How important is worship to you? Worship has been defined as getting into God's presence and letting his radiant touch and change your life. Letting his radiance touch 
and change your life. Not just touch your life, but change your life. You know, you can, you can be on the outside and not go into the holies and holies and you can be touched. But when you enter in, when you enter in, His radiance, His presence is so powerful, you don't want to come out. Thank you, Jesus. Ask yourself, write this down and ask yourself this week, what is, I'm challenging you to do this, please. God is challenging you to do this. What is worship to you? How important is worship to you? Worship has been defined as getting into God's presence and letting his radiance touch and change your life. From this text, we could well define worship as celebrating the presence of God. Celebrating the presence of God. You know, we celebrate birthdays. We celebrate baby's birth. We celebrate baby shower. We celebrate, but do we truly celebrate God? How often? How often do we celebrate God? My Bible says we're to sing upon our beds. You see, the real issue of worship is not so much a form, a place, a particular style or type of music. It is God's presence and preeminence, or preeminence, I'm sorry. God is looking today for a people who desire to be in his presence. He is looking, he is longing I cannot, I, I sit and I think, how could this nation have gone down so quickly? It's amazing to me. Where we see people that play sports that make so much more money than our, than our veterans. You know, our veterans are on the street. And yet we have people that we support that are making millions of dollars a year that do not serve God. Some of them do. What is worship? How important is worship? It is God's presence and preeminence. God is looking today for a people who desire to be in his presence, who desire, who long for, that can't wait to be. That get, you know, when two or more gathered in his name, there he is. How slack, we need to each ask ourselves, how slack have we become? Is sleep more important? 
because what you know if you want to get upset with anybody get upset with God I'm just the messenger okay he's asking us he wants to change this nation he wants to change this nation he wants to turn it around you know the Israelis begged and begged and begged for a king. God gave him Saul. What a mess. He wants to turn this around. I'm going to put it very bluntly. We have two months to turn it around. I hope you're on your faces praying. What can get God more? I'm going to tell you, prayer and being in, in his presence and worshiping and praising. Remember 2 Chronicles 20. When they began to praise, God set ambushments against the enemy. What can we learn about God's presence and worship from this passage? Are you ready? Wow. Well, I guess we'll go to number one. I don't know why we get so stirred up about the 12 o'clock mark. What's more important, food, your plans for today, or God? Ask yourself that. Lesson one, your passion for God secures his presence. Your back, number one, four presence lessons. Lesson one, your passion for God secures his presence. Without doubt, this is a passionate passage of scripture. In the previous chapter, Moses descended from the top of Mount Sinai to discover the immorality and idolatry of the people. Can you imagine going up there and coming down and there's, there's Joshua? It doesn't say he asked them, asked him. But I know after being in the presence of God, coming down that mountain, because if you've ever been in the presence of God and come to, and and walked in to a place where the presence of the enemy is so vivid it's the most disgusting thing you'd ever want to feel some people wouldn't know it because they don't practice the presence of God they're oblivious to it. 
Why? Because that's become normal. Moses descends from the top of Mount Sinai to discover the immorality and idolatry of the people. While Moses was away, the people pressed Aaron. I don't think they had to press him very far into making them an idol to worship Moses, to worship. Remember all those jewels that they like to wear? Remember those good old jewels? They must have kept some of them because they ended up having taking them off. Okay. The people pressed Moses impressed Aaron into making them an idol to worship Moses dealt severely with the people for their sin. Many died at the hand of God. Moses then interceded for his people. Exodus 32, 31 and 33, we find that Moses actually offering his own life for his people. Moses, in effect, tells God, kill me and forgive them. How many of you would, would be willing for all the people, God's people that have gotten so far away, to tell God, kill me and forgive them? Think about this a while. With passion, Israel sinned against God. With passion, Moses pled to God for his people, even to the point of sacrificing his own life. Now with passion, both Moses and Israel seek to, to the continued presence of the Lord. God, with passion, they worshiped. Before we ever worship God, we must possess a passion for his presence. I mean, there is a passion for his presence that we must possess. Most of us had that at one point. But has it slipped away bit by bit? I'm look. I'm talking to me. Forget you guys. I'll just sit here and stare at the paper and talk to me. We know it has, or we wouldn't put up with the crap that's going on. Excuse my expression. Pastor said it a while, a last couple of weeks ago. It's the truth. Before we ever worship God, we must possess a passion for his presence. Passion is a strong, God forgive me for saying that word, is a strong feeling, intense emotion that compels to action. A strong feeling, intense emotion that compels to action. 
Usually when we think of passion, sad to say, we do not associate it with the things of God. People have passion these days for, day for things like sex, food, entertainment, sports, and chocolate. But certainly not for God. Give me my chocolate. If you don't give me my chocolate, I'm going to get you. Don't eat my chocolate. Even good, faithful church people become uneasy when someone in their midst gets on fire and has passion for the Lord. A football fan or a basketball fan will wait in line for hours to purchase a ticket. Pay big money. Brave the worst of weather. And patiently watch a lousy game, loving every minute of it. While the average church member must be, about all, must be all but bribed to attend just one service out of the week. That's pitiful. While the average, I mean, think about this. Then they want to put the pastor and the whole worship service on a stopwatch. Many Christians view the worship service with dread. It's something that they must endure, not enjoy. That's a slap in God's face. Then we wonder why we are losing a whole generation of worshipers. Somehow we have lost our focus on the presence. We need a passion for the presence. A passion for the presence will be evidenced by a willingness to confess and forsake sin. Israel had to put their sin away before they could reclaim the presence of the Lord. Psalms 101.7 says, if you want to turn there, He that worketh deceit shall not dwell with, within my house. He that telleth lies shall not tarry in my sight. You know, the Bible puts the liar with the whoremonger, and he said that they will not see heaven. Did you tell any lies this week? First, or John 1, 5, and 6 tells us, then, This then is the message we have heard of, which we have heard of him, and declare unto you that God is light, and in him is no darkness. Verse 6, If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. How many have ever looked at this scripture like that? That's heavy. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. Many times we do not worship, we do not connect with God and feel his presence because we will not acknowledge and confess our sin. Perhaps we need to reverse the order of the service. Instead of ending with the altar call, we should begin with it. If we would deal with our sin at the beginning, confess our need of him at the beginning, we might have a true worship experience. We might actually connect with the presence of God. Thank God today we connected with the presence of God.
I can tell you the Lord was very blessed this morning. I'm not trying to make this sermon sound hard. I'm just saying, church, it's time we, we jump up and, and change. This is changeable. Thank God, because of God's grace. A passion for the presence will be evidenced by seeking God's face. In the text, the children of Israel put away their party mentality and went to the place where God's presence was found. They made a considerable effort to get there and then stood in anticipation. These were serious worshipers. The Lord has promised over and over in his word that if we will seek his face, he will be found. In Exodus 33:18, Moses asked a special favor of the Lord, and he said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. I beseech thee, show me thy glory. Today I say before each one of you, I beseech thee, God, show us, each one of us, show me, show each one of us your glory. I pray that that is your prayer along with me because that's the true, you want the true vision of the church. That's the true vision of the church. This church was named Shekinah Glory for a purpose, for his manifested presence and glory to be in our midst. I can't live without his presence. I'll be honest. I'd rather go home to be with the Lord than, than be somewhere where his presence is not wanted. I beseech thee, show me thy glory. Moses had a desire, a passion to see more and know more of God. The Lord honored his request because he longs for us to seek him and worship him. Do you realize if you seek him and worship him and truly desire his presence and his glory, what he will show you? He will take you places in him that you cannot even imagine. Do you long to feel God's presence? Do you thirst to hear his voice? Will you be disappointed to leave here and your heart not be stirred, moved, and changed? We must, as God's people, put, put a passion for God's presence back into our lives and into our worship. Instead of daring worship to draw us, worship songs to draw us into his presence, to draw us into worship, we must enter with a desire to worship. We say, oh, it's the same songs, it's whatever. You have a problem. 
If I say that, I have a problem. According to what I've just read, they had a problem. Ask yourself, do, you, do I long to feel God's presence? Do I thirst to hear his voice? Will, you be dis will I be disappointed to leave here and my heart not be stirred, moved, and changed? We must, as God's people, put a passion for God's presence back into our lives and into our worship instead of daring the worship songs to draw us into worship. We must enter with a desire to worship. We must burn with a passion to be people of the presence. Hallelujah. Ushers, if you'll come forward, we're going to worship God.